he asked me to do two days at the late show to sub um, because there was a bass player at the time. And I just remember I cleared my whole schedule for <laughs> two weeks. I was like, okay, let me focus. Let me memorize the music. I don't know whose gig that is, but I'm sorry to that person <laughs> because this is my gig now. This is a podcast called Walk, Talk, Listen. An attempt to connect people and make this world a bit better by sharing opinions and experiences based on the belief that everyone's perspective is true, albeit partial. My name is Maurice Bloom, and I would like to welcome you to yet another episode of Walk, Talk, Listen. Uh, good day, everybody. This is another episode of the podcast Walk, Talk, Listen. And as always, I'm delighted with today's guest who will introduce herself. Uh, India, please go ahead. Hello, everyone. My name is India Owens. I'm a bassist, composer, philanthropist, and educator. Um, my main gig is on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, and I also tour with my band, The Cookout. And I also do community outreach with my organization the community cookout yeah that's that's awesome and we will absolutely talk about you know all of that um what i would like to ask you first uh india is did you you were born and raised in in detroit or, or yeah. somewhere else yes i was born and raised in detroit yeah. michigan uh specifically on the west side at mm -hmm. Hudson hospital yeah. i'm a very proud detroiter um detroit is where i first started music of course um mm -hmm. my first mentors are from Detroit and yeah Detroit taught me everything that I know and, and how how did you get into music then how did that happen so I always gravitated towards music my earliest musical memory was watching Tina Turner videos mm. and I would try to impersonate her I wanted to do <laughs> all the dance moves and sing just like her and also the singer Brandy, I just thought she was amazing. She yeah. um, had a movie, she remade the Cinderella movie with Whitney Houston and mm -hmm. the vocals were amazing. I remember me and some of my friends, we wanted to be just like her. But what really started my path to music is when my mother and my father bought me a Yamaha keyboard when I was mm. eight years old. So um, I never took any music lessons until I got to college. Mm -hmm. But on the piano, they had like four Elise's and Chopin. I would just hit a mm -hmm. button and it would play the classical pieces. So I actually learned them by ear okay. as a child. So I'd be like, okay, oh, that's nice. <laughs> and I could just play it. Yeah. And um, that's what really started it. And after that, I started on the violin and eventually the bass. So why did you switch from keyboards then to the violin? Um, mainly because my my keyboard that I had started yeah. breaking apart. Okay. So I just yeah. didn't have I didn't have one to take home. Um and in fifth grade, my school had a free music program. Mm -hmm. And um at first I wanted to pick the saxophone because I I just wanted to saxophone was just so so famous mm -hmm. and um they didn't have any everyone chose them and I was left with the violin but I ended up loving the violin and I was first chair mm. for the whole time that I played and I did national competitions and wow it was just such a beautiful experience I actually still have my violin and mm -hmm. um yeah, just to actually add to how I started on the bass, um, because I could play in ear, play by ear, you know, that's the thing, like if ch church kids, people who grow up in mm -hmm. church, especially like Pentecostal, Black Baptist churches, yeah. Kojic churches, we usually just want to play everything. We want to sing everything. <laughs> we want to dance. We want to do it all. We want to preach. <laughs> and I I noticed that there wasn't an upright bass um uh, player in the oh. orchestra for years and i was like i 
let me see. I I think I could play that. I know I could play that. So I played Mozart's Symphony 25 by ear on the bass. Wow. And my orchestra conductor overheard me, Mr. Miller. And uh, he said, okay, you're our bass player. And I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I am first chair. I am the star, the Beyonce of the band. <laughs> like, <laughs> you cannot knock me off. <laughs> like, yeah. And um, he said, well, play the bass or get an F. And he told me that he would thank me later. That wow. I would thank him later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you 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 are thankful for that shift now, right? Yeah, changed my whole life. Yeah. Going back to your role models in terms of you know uh, Tina Turner and and uh, uh, Brand uh, Brandy is um, why did you not go into singing? Well, <laughs> it's it's so interesting. I um I think well well every time I would try to sing like Tina Turner, she has mm -hmm. such a distinct voice. So when yeah. I would it's it's kind of funny, like when you hear a child singing like strong, like yeah. <laughs> like full chest voices, it's like what? And it and it makes you laugh, but I I just didn't think that uh, maybe I wouldn't be taken as seriously. Mm -hmm. But I remember that I was in choir. I was in choir. I was a soprano and um, I was a lead vocalist at times. So mm -hmm. that was that was something that I really, really loved to do. And um, now I just boss my singers around and tell them <laughs> <laughs> what it wants to sing. Yeah. And you have great singers, by the way. So, yeah. so uh, oh, that's cool. So, so how did you then, you know, from a classical violinist and a bass, go in? You know, of course, and the gospel I understand. You know, you, that's through church. But then, how did you get involved into into the jazz, and then ultimately your own band already, or um, did you go from? Detroit to New York or did you go to a music school ultimately I mean how did that what happened after that oh yeah so um my first introduction to jazz um my mentor Marcus Belgrave he introduced me to Phineas Newborn Jr's album hmm. um and that had Roy Haynes and Paul Chambers on it and he would make me play Sugar Ray Hmm. until I got it and I didn't quite know what I was doing for a long time but I did it eventually and um Dizzy Gillespie Charlie Parker Coltrane those were like that was like the holy grail <laughs> for for the intro um to jazz but hmm. I needed something that connected me to it more like I um, I always heard like funk and R&B and hip hop. Mm. I, I wanted to really, I just wanted to hear myself like fully represented in the music. Mm -hmm. And I know it's a black art form, right? But I needed to hear current sounds too. Mm. So I can really fill in the gap because it's good to know the tradition, but there can be a gray area co connecting to tradition to what you know in 2024. Hmm. How do you connect that? So I needed to hear someone that was in the middle of that. And that um, was in the form of Roy Hargrove. When I, when I heard his album, Ear Food, I was like, oh, I recognize that. And I recognize that. Oh, that's what I heard on the radio. Like it, it just, it just was so familiar and I felt, yeah, I felt that I could grasp it better. Mm -hmm. And that, I know it, it seems kind of backwards to start with Roy Hargrove, then start with the greats, mm -hmm. but I needed something to get my ears prepared. Okay. You know, so, so that was my, that was my intro to it. Um, as far and, as and you could you could already by by that time you were already able to read notes or or still not or how 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 did that happen? Well, <laughs> well, um, yeah. At first, I learned reading in treble clef, like okay. strictly, 
And um, yeah, by by that time, I was already playing like Night in Tunisia, Trichitis, okay. Yeah. Okay. all of that. Um, and I and I knew the gravity and how important it was to play the music, mm-hmm. but I just wanted to hear some someone that sounded like me. Like when I played trichotism and when I soloed, like if I put in an R and B feel, mm-hmm. like is that okay? <laughs> you know, I I needed I needed something to like fully relate to. That's like um, that's like for example, Ambrose, mm. like. If if he were to listen to Louis Armstrong, he could connect to it, but he might need to listen to Nicholas Payton and Terrence Blanchard mm. and Freddie Hubbard in between to feel the connection. Yeah, so it's, yeah, yeah. it's like one of those things. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, so, you know, when that happened, you were still in Detroit or... I was I was still in Detroit. Um, I was actually still in high school, mm-hmm. so so I I was just really trying to be dedicated, fully fully entrenched in the music. Um, yeah, at the time, Detroit radio was amazing. Like you could hear everything from mm-hmm. Motown hits. Then one day you might hear <laughs> Gloria Stefan. Then you might hear Miles Davis playing michael jackson's human nature like Mm -hmm. it was just it was just amazing um but i ended up going to michigan state okay after that so um i took the greyhound to my audition and shot for the stars so (laughs) i did that i played um jody grind by horace silver and um did all the requirements and after Michigan State, oh, I also studied with Rodney Whitaker mm. at Michigan State. So that's where I got my true bass yeah. footing. He, because I used to play with my thumb on the bass because okay. of the electric bass. Yeah, yeah, church. yeah. So was that inspired was, by the the Brothers Johnson? The, the... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brothers Johnson, and and just hearing slap bass all the time yeah, in yeah. Detroit. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's how you play the bass. <laughs> because I didn't have a bass teacher. I was teaching myself. And um, after that, um, I went to Juilliard. Um, I also took the Greyhound to Juilliard, which is mm. <laughs> pretty funny. Um, and, yeah, I auditioned twice for that school. And I got in the second time. And, yeah, the rest was pretty much history. Yeah. Wow. And and a, a question in terms of, you know, when, when you decided, you know, music is, is the path that I will follow, is that, does that run in the family? I mean, your parents gave you, you know, the keyboard. So are they also musicians or somebody else in the family or it, you know, you chose it because, you know. Yeah, I, I chose it. Um, okay. No one is a musician in my family. I'm the only one. Yeah. And um, I, just really believe that's a gift from God. Mm. Like God just sprinkled some musical notes in my head, and mm-hmm. yeah, and I'm thankful for it. Um, my mother is actually, well, was actually a teacher, okay. um, all grades for science and English, oh. and my father works for the government. Okay. Yep. Wow. Wow. Um, so, what what happened after Juilliard? Um, so after Juilliard, um, I got my grad degree and I started touring. Um, I had an audition to to tour on the Diana Ross tour with Rhonda Ross. Mm-hmm. And um, I had to audition um, at Rhonda's place and get out my electric bass and play all the tunes and all that. Um, mm-hmm. So I went, I was on that tour for about a month. And that was amazing. Um, being around Rhonda, mm. being around Diana, Diana telling me that I'm a great bass player. <laughs> <laughs> and were you playing stand-up bass or or electric, electric there? Electric. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So that that was like one of the moments that was like, oh my gosh. Um, and I toured with Camille Thurman. Actually, mm-hmm. Camille 
gave me my first international tour date mm. in uh, Paraguay. And yeah, I was touring with Jazz Mia Horn, Steve Teray, just a lot of people. Yeah. 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 Um, and then, you know, then you end up, um, a lot of people might recognize you. Um, well, this is the podcast, but they should look at the promos that we are going to make from, from the Colbert show, right? From the Steve yes. Colbert. Yeah. Mm -hmm. how, how did you get into that band? Well, um, it was interesting because I didn't know anyone in the band, hmm. uh, including John, like no one. <laughs> and um, I I used to play a small jazz club every night, um, hmm. but I used to do the late night session, the sessions that didn't end until after 4 a.m. Um, but I would love being there and I would do my best because I always do my best. Hmm. And Roy Hargrove used to be there mostly every night. So I was really always trying to play my best because I was, he was like one of my musical heroes. Mm -hmm. I absolutely cannot believe it. Um, so one night I was playing, I was like, oof, all right. There, there were no bass players. So I was like, okay, here we go again. No, mm -hmm. no bass players at the jam session. Um, but Joe Saylor, the drummer in the band, he, um, he was, somewhere in there and he didn't even speak to me but he told john batiste that um oh you should check out this bass player like mm. she's really really good and um john ended up getting my number somehow he called me from an unknown number i almost hung up <laughs> <laughs> like who is this yeah. and um yeah we had a conversation a long conversation actually about life and music mm. and just our ideas about people and humanity and um after that a few months went by in 2019 august of 2019 mm -hmm. um he asked me to do two days at the late show to sub um because there was a bass player at the time and I just remember I cleared my whole schedule for two weeks. Yeah. I was like, okay, let me focus. Let me memorize the music. I don't know whose gig that is, but yeah. I'm sorry to that person because <laughs> this is my gig now. And, and I just played my heart out. Mm. And um, they they ended up hiring me two weeks later. Wow. And um, at first they were like, okay, we're going to do three months. Then it was like, okay, we're going to do six months. And then after a year's time, I was signing the contract for yeah. for the show. So Yeah. So how, how many years have you played in, in that band now? Um, it'll be five years in oh. August. Wow. Yeah. So okay. And, and that's, but that's not a whole year, right? So you have also time to tour with your own band as well. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. When did your own band start? And and, and your own band is called The Cookout. Yes. Um, yeah. I I think, let me see. I started my band around the same time that I started the show. Oh. Because we had our first gig at Smalls. Um, because I remember around the time I was feeling a little bit frustrated at the the environment mm -hmm. towards uh female musicians yeah and i'm the kind of person if something is not working i'm going to find another solution mm -hmm. and that solution sometimes is moving in my own path or mm -hmm. creating my own lane so that's what i did i said okay um okay this person didn't really respect me or this person said this or this person isn't really about the music. Mm -hmm. Like this person wants a token player in the band. I'm just going to start my own band mm -hmm. and I'm going to make it as inclusive as possible. Mm -hmm. The music is going to be at a high level and yeah. And uh, two of the groups that I formed the sound from, mm -hmm. I wanted to sound like Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers, I'm still oh, trying to sound okay. like, yeah. like, <laughs> um, because I just love the power mm -hmm. in Art Blakey and the Messengers. It's just 
so powerful free for all just oh my gosh that album is amazing and um of course Roy Hargrove his his quintet his sextet his big band it's like I wanted to sound just like this so I had um a sextet Mm-hmm. with no vocals so that was the original uh band and i used to play mosaic by art blakey okay every night that was the first yeah, song yeah yeah and um yeah so after after that it, we would do maybe one to four gigs a mm-hmm. year <laughs> but <laughs> they would be great yeah they would be great gigs and i had um linda Brasenio also at the time who was an amazing trumpet player and um yeah yeah that's yeah everything and and, and when did you start um because you're also um uh, composer um wh- when did that start um i started that uh at juilliard actually around the okay. time where i was at juilliard so mm-hmm. the first song the first two songs that I wrote, it was Feel Good, which mm-hmm. is my original. I wrote that at the Ravinia Institute. That's also the title of the album, right? Your first album, yeah. Yes. And I also wrote uh, For the People. It was originally entitled For the Brothers mm. because I wrote it for Trayvon Martin. Okay. That was the original okay. thought process. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Are you yeah okay now I now okay so that you now you you feel you feel that in the song um, I didn't know that so um, um, yeah and and you know one one song that is very close to to my heart I, actually I, I told you um, you know I have a running list and the first song um, you know when I go running is where the Nubians grow I hear that every day. <laughs> uh <laughs> how how did that song come about wow um that that came about two years ago well maybe a year and a half ago i was actually writing a big band composition for jazz at lincoln center mm. so i was talking to winton a lot about just how do you form a good song and what are for, the, for the audience that's winton marcellus right Yes. Yes. Okay. yes. And uh, we were going through all these hymns and spirituals mm-hmm. and he would have me play them every week, play a new one every week and just notice the changes within mm-hmm. it. Um, but also writing that big band composition was a challenge. Um, mm-hmm. I've written big band compositions before, but for some reason that one was a lot <laughs> mm. because it was the longest one that I've ever written. It was 11 minutes long, original yeah. music. And um, it was a lot. <laughs> and <laughs> and um, in between that, I wrote Where the Nubians Grow because I was trying to like find the inspiration within mm. myself. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, like I can do this. That was the thought process. It was like, determination i can do this i can do anything Hmm. and i will listen to this um album it's a big shine album it's a rap album Mm -hmm. but on the album there's an interlude by stevie wonder Mm -hmm. that talk and he talks about walking in your purpose and walking in your light and just like knowing your divine destiny Mm-hmm. And I would listen to that before I wrote it. And then also Erica Badu has an interlude. Mm. And she talks about the strength and beauty of Detroiters and mm-hmm. how there's something in the water there that you just can't put a name on it. And at the end, she says, Detroit, where the Nubians grow. So okay. I was, I was okay. actually listening to all this. And yes, that was just a song of determination. and. Yeah. I can do anything and this is great and whatever wow. I put out is powerful. So I just, yeah, it, just it's extremely it... powerful because when it's, you know, when it's cold or I don't want to run, <laughs> that song starts playing and I think, okay, there we go. So, <laughs> so... <laughs> yes. Yes. So it's, 
Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Thanks for, for and then I, I really encourage the folks to, to, you know, listen to that song. Well, they, they should listen to your whole album. Tell a bit about that first album. How did well, it come about? Yeah. Yeah. So Feel Good Music, of course, is my first album. Um, like, I just wanted to name it Feel Good Music because mm -hmm. that's how I describe a lot of music growing up. That's what a lot of Detroiters described it as like, oh, that's that feel good. So I wanted my whole album to sound like that, but I also wanted it to sound eclectic and just whatever I put mm -hmm. on the album was okay. Because I yeah. know a lot of people do standards mm -hmm. and everything. That's not really where my heart was at. I just wanted to be myself and put my best foot forward for where I was. Mm -hmm. And that that was it. And I wanted to give sounds of Detroit and sounds of jazz in my perspective. Mm. Like Detroit Fight Song. I I named it Detroit Fight Song because of Haitian Fight Song that mm. Charles Mingus wrote. Okay. And I was like, okay, I'm writing this in honor of Charles Mingus and Haiti, the people of Haiti. What can I do? I can make it into a kind of compa jazz fusion. So that's why it sounds the way it does. Mm -hmm. um, cycles. I wanted to, <laughs> I just wanted to write something that was just, that you just couldn't grasp. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. like this is just powerful. It has that art like you feel. Mm -hmm. But wait, we're, okay, we're here, we're here, we're there, we're there. It's elusive. Mm -hmm. And also Raven's Prayer. I wanted to make a gospel version of Chikoria's songs. Mm. So I was like, okay, what does what melody would Chikoria write like? Because I love Chikoria so mm -hmm. much. Um, okay, but how can I make it gospel? Oh yeah, it's all connected. So I just I just really wanted to put whatever I wanted to put on the album. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And and, and, and and you know definitely you know when you go to your concert there there are for for sure many moments where you feel you know you're bringing us to church. So even people that have never gone to church they will feel you know they know uh, they will experience them for the first time what it is to be uh, to church. Is is that a correct uh, observation or or uh, something you think about or strive you know towards or um, I I wouldn't say that's some, sometimes it's not even intentional. Mm -hmm. Um, I think when the spirit moves, the yeah. spirit just moves. Mm -hmm. And I think it's something that's inside of you mm. that never leaves. So you might not even be trying to do that, but I've always been a person that loves to give to people mm -hmm. and that loves to spread happiness and joy to people. So I, and I'm always happy when I'm playing mm -hmm. my bass. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. So <laughs> it's just bound to happen. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like since we are at a show, I know, I know since the 60s, people are like, okay, sit down and listen to jazz. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, okay, if you want to sit down, sure. But if you want to dance, like if this moment is our last moment, let's make it count. Mm -hmm. And and um, no and and definitely you know your your music, yeah. I, uh, it's very difficult to you know to remain in your chair. Um, although you know when you play a dizzy club, it's less so that people stand up. But yeah. it's uh, <laughs> when you played at North Sea, that was a different ball game because everybody was dancing. Yeah. Um, when I, when I saw you playing there, um, and yeah, t tell tell a bit about. Um, uh, your cookout because your cookout is not only your band it's it's also an organization that you're running and and uh yeah t tell us about that because yeah. we have we have something in common we we both feel strongly about um that we should end end hunger in the world and make this world a little yeah. bit better right yeah yes and honestly it's it's easier 
it would be pretty easy to end world hunger if the top 1% just gave a little bit of their money, but that's mm -hmm. for another day. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the community cookout, I started that on July 4th of 2020. Um, mm -hmm. My great friend, Uni Mojica, she used to work at Jazz and Lincoln Center. I called her up maybe two days before I was going to do it. And I said, you know, this pandemic is insane. A lot of people are losing their jobs. A lot of people have nothing. They're losing everything. They're losing mm. their homes. Um, I'm thinking about feeding some people. Um, I'm going to do it on 125th Street in Harlem. And I said, uh, can we use your father's car? <laughs> and she <laughs> said, sure. So <laughs> we were in this small little car and we got all these meals um, from a restaurant in Harlem. And we went on 125th Street between Lexington and Park Avenue. Mm -hmm. um, that area is actually um, known for, well, partially known for a lot of drug addicts, a lot mm -hmm. of homeless people, um, what people would deem as undesirable people mm -hmm. and people that are meant to be invisible. But I believe that everyone matters. Mm -hmm. Just from the beginning to the end, mm -hmm. everyone has a purpose. So I went right in the middle of it and <laughs> we put the food on top of her father's hood of his car. And we passed out 150 meals that day. Um, there were so many people, um, pregnant women, couples, children, mm. just everybody. There, there was almost a fight over the last jerk chicken. Mm. I had to break it up, but anyway. But yes, um, and then I saw that people were still in line. We ran out of food, so I started giving people money out of my pocket mm. and um, a little extra money to pay for bills, whatever they needed. It was a lot of tears, a lot of everything. Yeah. Um, so then I saw the need and I said, okay, let me do this every month. Mm. And then I was like, okay, I'm working Thankfully, um, I had just got the job at Colbert, like right before the pandemic. Oh, the and, show went on during the pandemic. That was not yeah. because many shows they they were done from home, but but that yeah. was not the case for for the show you were you were on. We we did uh, the show remotely, so we. Oh, you did. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. We were yeah. not out of the job, um. So I I just wanted to share um my blessings with mm. people. So. I went to every borough and hired musicians. Um, so everybody got a free music concert. I went to a lot of different local restaurants and they Amazing. got money for their restaurants. And yeah, there there were so many people um, that got fed and yeah. finally heard jazz. Like I heard a, a lot of people say, this is the first time we've heard jazz mm. in over a decade outside. This is so rare to see live music so i'm very happy for what the cookout has meant to yeah, people yeah and and you're still doing it is that still going yes. on yes it. yes so i um actually took a hiatus because mm -hmm. i actually had to give back personally to my own family so i took a mm -hmm. i took a small break but in august of 2023 mm -hmm. um i did a cookout for the Charlie Parker Festival. Okay. And the Edinburgh Festival in Scotland. And I did one in November. And I plan on doing the cookout this month, but in a different kind of way. Hmm. Maybe, maybe more one-on-one -on -one with a big fuller concert mm -hmm. at three times out the year. But yeah. That's that's awesome that you're doing that. And and just for the for the listeners, you know, when when they go to your website, ndiaowens.com, right? Yes. Um, they they can read about you know those cookout events as well. And and outside of the fact that they should check out your album, and and buy it, um, <laughs> <laughs> I I would like to go to um, to the next part of of our conversation. 
um, you know, you know, or you might not know that that this podcast is a is a spin off of a of a hundred mile walk that I started in 2011, 2012 to raise awareness um, and, and, and funds about hunger, poverty and injustice. Um, so, you know, a question that I always ask uh, to my guests and, and, you know, this has become my virtual walk with my guests. Um, if you would be asked to walk 100 miles, you know, so 15 to 20 miles uh, per day, um, which makes, you know, in f five to seven days, 100 miles. For which course would you uh, walk and, and why? Wow, for which cause? Wow. Yeah. I, I would do it for any, um, like, homelessness awareness mm -hmm. or um, specifically um, women's shelters. Mm -hmm. Um because I actually have experience in that. Mm. So so as a teen, me and my mother, uh, through the No Child Left Behind Act, yeah. my mother actually lost her teaching job. And mm. we did become homeless and we were in a women's shelter. Mm. And people say, oh, there's shelters in the US, all that, but there's not enough. Mm -hmm. And sometimes there's not enough food, there's not enough clothes, mm. everything. And I think if we would just be more aware of housing awareness and welfare and also just women's rights mm -hmm. and women's shelters and, and also men's shelters, children's shelters, just shelters in general, let me just say that, mm -hmm. it would it would probably be very good for that um mm -hmm. and probably help a lot because once you have shelter and a roof over your head yeah. you're more likely to like find work mm -hmm. because now you can get a clean shower you mm -hmm. have food your mind is more focused and you have somewhere to go at the end of the night mm -hmm. you're not truly worried so i would do i would do it for that cause okay and and uh, how old were you when you when you were in that situation? I was sixteen, so okay. sixteen to almost eighteen, and mm. yeah, that's tough. Yeah, we... yeah, and you have uh, brothers and sisters, or or uh, um, the only I, child. I do, I do, and I have one older sister who I grew up with, but okay. our ages are gapped, so okay. she's seven years older than me. Okay, but yeah. And she's not in music. Well, she played the clarinet. She tried. She failed. <laughs> <laughs> she was more into science. <laughs> Which is also important. You know, yes, she and, is. And, and awesome. Yeah. Okay. That's great. Hey, and um, you know, when um when I do the hundred mile walk, I'm I'm very often accompanied by, you know other people so who walk with me maybe for a mile or sometimes the whole day and then we talk about you know life and you know why are we on earth um yeah what's the purpose um and and so strangely enough uh we talk then also about religion and spirituality and especially about the younger generation you know are mm -hmm. they changing is you know church less important than it was you know for previous generations and uh, some say no you know, um, it's similar, uh, although maybe the younger generation is less inclined to go to the church as a building, but it doesn't mean that they don't believe anymore. So there are different opinions. My, my question for, to you is, um, what do you see happening among the youth in your community? Let's say, you know, in, in Detroit or you live now in New York or? or uh, yes, okay. I live in New York. Um, as far as church goes, just the whole subject. Yeah, youth, do you see them going to church? Are they spiritual? What do you see? I I see a lot of people who are spiritual. Um, I know a lot of people who went to church at an early age. And um, sometimes for some people, it was just too strict of an environment. Mm -hmm. um, I think the beauty in humanity is being able to make mistakes and it's okay. 
mm-hmm. and you get better, but not necessarily get shamed. So I think that's where a lot of people are like, you know, I'll have church at home. But there's something so beautiful about fellowshipping with large groups of people or just two or more. You know, the Bible says when two or more gathered, of course, Um, it's something that I think should stay in tradition because when you're around like-minded people, like you just may never know what help you need and how the spirit can move in that way because you can't do everything by yourself and i think that's a really sad thing um in this country in general the individualism of people of society even without religion um you just cannot do it by yourself that's why you see so many people getting burned out and all that but um i i do think i do think people should do what they want, but also just maybe be a little bit more open, just give it another try. Because when you're young, you have to do what your parents say or what your adults in your life tell you. Now you can move with your own decisions. So if you don't necessarily like one place of worship, you can go to another. Mm. Or if you say, okay, I don't like any of it, talk to a friend. You know, a lot of people are dealing with mental health issues alone. That's where that individualism really takes a downfall. Mm-hmm. Like, it's the mental health issues are on a rise. So, um, yeah, I, I'm not sure. Um, I, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily a good thing that is happening. Mm-hmm. I love the idea that people finding God within themselves I think that's important but I think just having a community and a tribe Mm -hmm. that you can go to for help is also important Important. yeah you have to have that in life Hmm. I I no and 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 I, I definitely resonate with that, uh, you know, that that we all need some kind of community, um, that we also need to try to understand others. And, and and if you try to do that, you realize that there are always things that you can start talking about. Um, and, and that might be the beginning of, uh, you know, less pol- uh, polarization and, and more, more peace. So what I try to do also with this podcast is bring people together. You know, I hope that, mm-hmm. you know, this podcast is contributing to connecting people with each other. Um, And I try to do that also um, by sharing a question of a previous guest with my present guest, and that's you. So the question for you from the previous guest is kind of a tough one, but I can, I think you can handle it. Um, You know, it's, it's um, talking about sustainable development goals. And I don't know if you're familiar with those goals. They, they've been established. Uh, by us as the world, you know, many, many countries, all countries were involved. 17 goals were were identified. Goal number two is end hunger. Goal number one, sustainable goal number one is uh, end poverty. Uh, goal number five is, um, you know, ensure uh, equity, equality. Um, the question of the, of the previous guest for you is, yeah, well, I guess my question would be back to the SDGs. So mm-hmm. like I said, we're we're halfway to achieving them in terms of the timeline, not necessarily in terms of progress. Um, so seeing as we are halfway to where we're supposed to achieve the goals, what do you think we need to do as a community to achieve those goals in the next six years? Wow. I, I hate to um, make this such a cliche, mm-hmm. but we really need to tax the rich. <laughs> a little bit more we really do there is no reason why most of the world's money should be in the top one percent of people like it is mind boggling and i and i just look at myself if i can go out and feed people Mm -hmm. with a few thousands out of my check and still have a roof over my head Mm -hmm. like i can't even imagine 
what the billionaires can do. So I, I really think it comes to that. I'm also thinking about how we take care of the earth. Mm-hmm. So I, I saw this story um, out of West Africa where they were using recycling, recycling bottles and papers, all of that things, mm-hmm. aluminum, aluminum cans, bottles, and they were actually making sheds, mm-hmm. homes for people. So there, there are some things that we can do. We just have to get creative. Mm-hmm. I think if we find sustainable ways to use recycling that makes things livable, that makes things reusable, maybe lowering the inflation pr- prices, maybe not giving almost a hundred billion <laughs> to, you know, other people like that, that, um, I think that would help, but, mm-hmm. um, some of some of the taxes if we can actually find a way if god is working mm-hmm. <laughs> this year to tax the rich yeah i think i i know actually that would help because mm-hmm. actually it's been statistically proven that they could actually yes. end world poverty with a fraction mm-hmm. of their income so that is what i would love to see um because a lot of people are doing sustainable things like one by one. There are people that are making fuel out of plastic. That's where I'm talking about the recyclables. They're, they're finding ways to like make things free, but we actually need to get serious. Like, and that means really taxing the rich at the end of the day, because you need to do all these things. You need money, money, you need okay. cash. Okay. Good, good points. And but I also like you you mentioning that we have to think about the planet as well. Um, so yeah, uh, points were well taken. Um, what, your question for the next guest? Uh, <laughs> my question for the next guest. Wow. I need one moment. I want to make it a good question. <laughs> <laughs> Take your time. It can be anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Actually, this is making me think of you know population control. Mm-hmm. Like populations are rising all across the world, but a lot of people are not wanting to have children and start families anymore. Um. What what can we do to combat some future population decline? And do you think that we can combat climate change in enough time to make a sustainable future for the youth? And what does that future look like based on statistics, say in 2050 or 2080? What do you think that looks like? That's a tough one. I'm happy that I don't have to answer it. Um, so, <laughs> hey, India, um, well, you you know I, I love music. Um, you've seen me at your concerts. Um, so I always have a, a music-related question as well. Um, and, and here I'm really interested in, in uh, curious about what you will answer. Um, if I ask you to come up with a piece of music or a song that best embodies for a big part what you are about, which song or piece of, piece of music would that be and why? Whoa. Oh, my Lord. Okay. Hmm. Let me see. Just one? Oh, my gosh. I would I, have to. I, I have to admit that I have have had guests that have cheated, and then I I allowed it. You know, if they had to say I I can't choose between those two or those three. So, um. Oh my gosh! Okay, let me see. Pardon me. Um, let me see. 
I think I think I kind of know. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's the one. Okay. Um for where I am right now, I was I was listening to a lot of Pharaoh Sanders astral traveling. I always feel like I'm in a different galaxy most <laughs> of the time. But um hmm. I was going to choose NTU by Bobby Hutchison because that's just the gumbo for me. Like he just got it. Just Mm -hmm. all of the sounds, all of the influences. I love Bobby Hutchison, his albums. Oh my gosh. They're just amazing. So let me choose in between those two. Let me see. I would say Astral Traveling. That's, That's more of my vibe. That's more of my vibe. Right now, to I'll say today that's not <laughs> that's not my all time favorite because I don't have a favorite. But mm-hmm. astral traveling, I played that song so many times this year. I've played it in my happiest moments, mm-hmm. um, in my saddest moments while grieving mm-hmm. loss of loss of friends. Um, I played it just to relax. And there's so many different interpretations within that song mm. and it can mean anything. And that, and I, I just feel that that goes with the title astral traveling mm. where yes, we are human beings on this earth, but when we pass, all of us will like our souls are traveling. And I, I feel like our ancestors and the spirits of, everyone that looks out for us like people always tell me when I'm having a hard time like you're never alone Hmm. like there's a whole army behind you everywhere you and you can feel it Mm -hmm. so that song just represents so much of that and of course the musicality is high Hmm. what I love to hear (laughs) but um yeah, in the beginning of the song, it's just birds chirping and wind gusting and just chimes and all of the things that I love. And mm. of course, Pearl Sanders playing the most beautiful melodies. So um, that's that's how I feel. And that's how I want to move with the rest of my life, just mm. astral traveling. Wow. Just traveling with the stars. So that's my okay. pick. So, so that's the song that that uh, then I will add to uh, a playlist that's on Spotify. Uh, it's hashtag walk to listen. And all the songs that have been picked by my guest, you can listen to. And that's from classical music to R&B to jazz, mm-hmm. you know, folk, all kinds of, of music. I, I, I love to listen to it because it reminds me of the, you know, the privilege that I had to talking with so many different people. I have a follow-up question for you, though, because you are a musician. What I find interesting is that you did not pick one of your own songs. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm, well, that goes with my personality. I'm not uh-huh. a person to, like, boast about myself. So <laughs> so that's, that would be completely out of character <laughs> for me. <laughs> um (laughs) but but yeah if i if i had to choose one i would choose of course either where the nubians grow or Mm -hmm. feel good okay okay or or is it saying something that that maybe you haven't made a song that totally represents what what you are are you still searching (laughs) are you still searching i'm still searching yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll never stop searching because I, I have so many ideas. I yeah. yeah, that's that's exactly what it is. When uh-huh. I when I put out the album, I was like, this is just the soft beginning mm-hmm. <laughs> because the music is just gonna be so so much grander, like huge, huge sound. There's so many things that I hear mm-hmm. that I know that I can do. So so yeah. Okay, great. Hey, um, you know, uh, Steve Hartman of CBS uh, examined or is still examining, I don't know exactly, um, how one simple act of kindness creates a ripple effect. 
Um, mm -hmm. So I have two questions around that. One is, what are your thoughts about one simple act of kindness and the potential to create a ripple effect? And the second part of the question is, if I would ask you now, right now, on the spot, um, to come up with a simple act of kindness, you know, uh, today or tomorrow, uh, what would you do? Um, yeah. Okay. Um, yes, I, I agree that one simple act of kindness creates a ripple effect, of course. Um, would I say it's 100% foolproof? Mm -hmm. Maybe. <laughs> but um, yeah, I I will take it back to one of the stories I told. Um, yeah. The Greyhound to Juilliard. That was a whole day trip. Mm-hmm. And um, the bus was late. The bus was just, oh my God, everything, everything on that bus was happening. Mm -hmm. And I got to Port Authority, New York. I'm in New York for the first time. I have no idea where I'm going. I just have a suitcase and a upright base and the bridge fell under the bus. Sure, okay. Oh. And <laughs> I got out of Port Authority and I was on the verge of tears because I was like, we're in rush hour traffic. I'm going to miss this, miss this audition. I don't know what to do. I'm sweating. Wow. <laughs> and this man was like, honey, it looks like you need, you need to get somewhere. And I said, I do. And I don't know where I'm going. And um, I think I did shed a tear, actually. And mm -hmm. he gave me $40 to take a taxi to my audition to make it on mm -hmm. time. And he told me to go and be great. Like, and that just blessed me so much. I remember the whole day mm -hmm. I was just speaking high words of affirmations to everyone. Mm -hmm. And and actually during my time at Juilliard, like when people needed help, when people needed advice, I always remembered that moment. Like everybody is starting from somewhere just it's it costs nothing to help mm -hmm. so so yeah that that's for certainly for sure true um i've known that that's true all my life because mm. yeah even growing up i've had people help me so much so of course like i don't i don't even need any stories or any proof to know that <laughs> like uh -huh. um but uh yes and you said if i if i were to able to if i were able to give an act of kindness to someone yeah right now or tomorrow what would you do right tomorrow okay um well i've been taking the subway a lot and i've been seeing a lot of mothers with their children mm -hmm. Sometimes on the back, sometimes little toddlers on the train selling candy and just M&Ms, all that. And I think I've been thinking about it, actually. I think I'm just going to pay for everything and just have them pass it out to everyone. So that'll actually be the ripple effect in mm. real time. Everybody gets blessed. So that's that's something that I can actually do. Mm. That's easy. Okay. Cool. When are you taking the subway? I will be there. So no, I'm just <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> okay, we we you know we we're slowly coming to to the end, and it always goes so fast. I have a question that I've never asked any anyone, though to to you, and that's if you have to choose between a trio uh, playing with a trio quint, uh, quartet or a quintet, what what would you choose between the three? If I if I force you to choose, mm, trio. Okay, but I would choose duo more than trio okay and and if if i ask you to um you can choose all the musicians you know dead or alive for your trio who would you put in the trio oh my gosh i would have did a quintet <laughs> <laughs> okay let's go for the quintet then Ooh, okay definitely freddie hubbard on trumpet without a doubt um, Herbie Hancock on piano. Are I already know? Hmm. Mm. Who's on the drums are so hard? Oh my gosh! Let's see. I think 
I would want to hear Elvin Jones with her be that be kind of crazy. And I need a saxophonist or a trombone player. Hmm. Let me think of the sound. I'll have to choose Coltrane. <clears throat> wow. I, I would buy tickets for that for that concert. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> that, and you know the sounds are so different. Uh-huh. That would be the best concert mm. ever. And if you throw Bobby McFerrin in there, oh my Ooh. god. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bobby McFerrin, Sarah Vaughn, Ella. Oh my God. Mm-mm-mm. Yes. That's great. Hey, <laughs> thank you so much for the conversation today and, and for everything you do. I mean, both, at, you know, the music level, but also, you know, all the service and, and you know, kindness and, uh, yeah, your whole being. Um, thank you so much and all the best with uh, what you do. Thank you. Thank you, Maurice. you for listening to walk talk listen please check us out on 100mile.org or follow us on facebook or instagram